0: You are listening to the Christian Music Archive Podcast, part of the new Release Today Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and Hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Welcome to the 103rd episode of the podcast. I'm glad to have you join in again today. But before I jump into my conversation with John Chisholm, I wanted to give you a brief update about what's going on in my life. You see, I've just recently been hired as the new business manager for our church. This is an exciting move for me. Instead of teaching people about business, like I've been doing for the past seven years, I get to use my business experience to help our church do ministry better. And this past month, I've spent a lot of time getting familiar with our church's processes, talking with staff members, and finding out how we can better support the ministry of our church. And this just really feels like the job I was made for. However, that change means I have made some modifications to how I record these interviews. I bought a new digital recorder, and you'll hear that things don't quite sound like our typical episodes, but I think you'll find that the content is still great. So with all of that explanation, let's jump into my conversation with John Chisholm right after this brief word from Mercy, Inc. For most of us, access to clean drinking water is as simple as walking to the sink and filling our glass. In other countries, it is typical that children or women walk for miles to access a water source that is often dirty and full of bacteria. Globally, over 3 million of the world's poor die each year due to waterborne diseases, and according to the World Health Organization, 750 million people do not have access to clean water. Safe, clean water and proper sanitation are essential for hygiene and good health. And Mercy works with ministry partners in South Asia to provide community wells and filtration systems so that people have access to clean, safe drinking water. After installing clean water systems, families report that their health, and particularly their children's health, improves significantly. As the wells are installed and maintained, the message of Jesus is also being shared and people are learning about the living water of Christ as they receive the clean water that they so desperately need. According to Mercy's statistics, nearly 300 people make a personal decision for Christ at each of those wells. Would you like to learn more about the Jesus Wells Project? Head over to mercyinc.org water. That's mercyinc.org water. And you can help provide living water in addition to clean, safe drinking water. Many of the conversations we have on this podcast are with the people on stage, band members, vocalists, and recording artists. But in order for these musicians to do their craft, there are an army of folks behind the scenes, producers, managers, engineers, and songwriters. And today, I'm talking with one of those songwriters. John Chisholm is a songwriter with a long list of credits, including Sandy Patty, First Call, Gaither Vocal Band, Ron Cannoli, The Cathedrals, and countless others. He is also the founder of the Nashville Christian Songwriters, an organization dedicated to mentoring and empowering songwriters to hone their craft. John has been dedicated to mentoring and empowering songwriters, and uh, he's been a worship pastor, a record company executive, and is the host of another great podcast that you definitely want to check out. It's called The Song Revolution. I'm excited to spend some time with John Chisholm. John, welcome to the podcast.
1: Dave, thanks so much, man. It, it is just an honor to be with you and uh, just to have a few laughs and uh, maybe share a little little uh, content here and there.
0: Well, yeah, it, you have a catchphrase in all of your podcasts that I just love, and I think this is kind of the impetus of this whole conversation. It's about more than songs, y'all. It's about a better life. What do you mean yeah. by that?
1: Yeah, that's it, dude. I mean, John ten ten all the way, Jesus came to... Uh, you know, to give us that abundant life that the enemy is always trying to steal from us. And, you know, I found out that my my brain is pretty much, you know, Satan. <laughs> my mind,
0: my, 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 my,
1: my, my, man, it, my ego and my left brain, man, it just wants to sabotage me worse than the devil, I think, some days. So, you know, it's always about uh, taming that beast and uh, allowing the love and the life of Jesus to shine through. So, you know, songs are a great way to get there. They're not the only way, but that's why I do say it's about more than that. It's about more than the music. It's about really living that abundant life.
0: Well, you've had an abundant music career. I mean, I just mentioned a bunch of things that you've done. Do you have, of all of those things, do you have a favorite uh, thing that you enjoy doing?
1: Well, you know, you mentioned the songwriting thing, and that's what brought me to the party. And <laughs> when I came to Christ at 18 years old, which was quite a few years back now, uh, the first thing I wanted to do, Dave, was write a song about my new faith in mm. Jesus. That I you just never dreamed that it would lead to almost a, a 40-year career of writing and singing and recording and traveling and living the life that a lot of people dream of. And yet I was not smart enough to even ask for it. I mm. didn't even know. I didn't know enough, man. I was just sharp enough to stick in the ground and green enough to grow. <laughs> and die, yeah. Dumb as a rock most days, but you know, there, there's just a, there's a certain power in just yielding to God's plan and, and doing what you know to do, but trusting him Another scripture for me that's always powerful is Ephesians three eighteen that mm. says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or even think. And so when I look back and I think about that eighteen year old kid who just longed to share his faith in music, and to look back on this career now, I'm I'm really working hard to encourage others to release their own music. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It, it's beyond description. So. Songwriting will pretty much always be the center for me, even though I've done all of the activities around it. Um, I still just love the power of a song. You yeah,
0: know? yeah. So were you writing music before you became a believer? And this was just then an outpouring of that? Or was, was it a, a new switch?
1: You know, very little. I did grow up in a very musical family. My okay. mom and dad were really pretty fine self-taught bluegrass musicians and okay. my dad played about every stringed instrument known to god and man and <laughs> he played you know fiddle and banjo and and uh, mandolins and guitars he was a flat picker if you know what yep. that is yep. and, you know he was just really really a fine musician he just he was a, an audiophile he okay. just loved music and so we grew up hearing everything in our home from flat Scruggs to Mahler. Oh, sure. And I'm very, just exposed to a very eclectic diet. My mom actually played keyboards, taught herself how to play keys and played harmonica. Uh And she was a little bitty four foot ten little wisp of a nothing. And (laughs) she could just bend the notes and play the, she wasn't just like blowing and, you know, chords. And she really Played that thing. And I remember being at a community center in Memphis, Tennessee, where we grew up and looking at them on the platform, they were playing some kind of dance or something. I don't know what it was, but uh, I was probably 16, 17 at the time. And I teared up listening to my mama play blues. Yeah. On yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 I actually in high school started um, singing and, and doing vocal lessons at the uh, University of Memphis, okay, and um, I was going into an opera career, ah. and uh, yeah, and Jesus totally had other plans for that. But uh, you know, I but the songwriting thing wasn't really a part of my 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 goals and desires for myself. That really truly started at my my conversion when I came to Christ. Literally, that's when that whole thing just uh, awoke in me, yeah. and uh, so that's been a lot of songs ago. Yeah, that that that's the truth of it. So I did grow up in a very musical household. Uh, I was into Jethro Tull and Emerson, Lake and Palmer, and oh, David sure. Bowie and Joni Mitchell, and you know all the biggies of the sixty, early seventies, and uh, and you still love a lot of those ways. Don't listen to a lot of them anymore, but very influential, very very. Uh, what would you say, seminal. Okay, sure, yeah. A lot of that, so yeah.
0: So what on your bio, I was doing a little stalking because that's what we're supposed to do, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, if you're worth your salt, as a podcast. Host.
0: <laughs> and you said that you um, actually moved to Nashville to take a worship-leading opportunity, uh, yeah. So, and that fell through. Talk a little bit about that journey and what that did for you.
1: Yeah, so you know what? Um, a, a little bit of backstory to that. Sure. When I did uh, start writing, you know, the first thing I started dreaming of, like every aspiring Christian songwriter, is I, I wish I could get somebody to sing my song, right? Yep. And so I sent a little cassette. Do you even remember what cassette? Oh, cassettes absolutely, I, yeah. I sent a cassette to a publishing company in Nashville and waited on pins and needles for the. <laughs> it felt like six years it was probably two weeks yeah i you know, just waited with 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 such anticipation about you know getting a song recorded or something and i got rejected of course and i just made a promise to god myself i'd never do that again uh-huh. i just wasn't gonna i just didn't want to be rejected i don't i don't take rejection very well and so i didn't want to do that again but i wound up In the first three years of of my marriage, which we're at 42 years this year, uh, by God's grace, if she'll have me another month or two, um, (laughs) but uh, wound up uh, working inside about four churches in the first three years that we were married. And it was, I was pretty unstable, just young, stupid, didn't know what I was trying to do and um, wound up leaving the, the church that, that we were serving and just kind of going on the road for a while because that's what you do when your pastorate fails, right? Mm-hmm. You go yeah. on the road. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's, if, it's, if it's not working at home, get it in the car and try to truck it around the world and see if anybody else will buy into yeah. it. But uh, wound up coming through Nashville to do a concert at a church, someone we knew, and literally we, just, we were just booking day to date to date living out of our car, mostly. It was pretty miserable. And uh, my poor wife, God bless her, she's a saint, but I got a lot of stars in her crowns. (laughs) You got got multiple crowns. She doesn't have just one crown, she got a bunch of crowns. I think
0: most of our wives do if we're in this kind of business.
1: (laughs) (laughs) For real. So we came through here to have a concert and the the pastor offered me the worship leading job. And I thought, wow, praise God. You know finally we're going to be in nashville maybe i'll get a song recorded one day and i had a couple of more dates to do and we were literally living hand to mouth and mm, yeah. we came back to take the job and he said he couldn't hire us after all oh. and so we literally had 40 dollars and no place to live wow. i mean we literally were homeless and directionless and it was dark and scary and awful and my precious little wife, she just said, can't we stay here and get normal jobs and be normal uh, people? And yeah. there ain't nothing normal about me, bro. I'm an Enneagram <laughs> four, man. I got to stand, like I, I stand out. I got to stand out. I got to be unique, you know, yeah. just call, call me Uniqua. <laughs> and so I, uh, I got a paper route and was making 60 bucks a week. And my wife got a little job paying not much more. And God provided, as he always does. And within about three months, I met Bill Gaither and Gary McSpadden, if you happen to know those.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Bill Gaither uh, and the new Gaither vocal band at the beginning, but Gaither, uh, regular Gaither vocal band, yeah.
1: Just iconic, I mean, they're they're the the reason so many of us are here, right? And uh, they listened to a couple of my songs, And I promise you, Dave, God must have stopped up their ears because those were pitiful songs. They've never seen the light of day, but they signed me to a little publishing house they were just starting back in the day. And I wound up being mentored by Gary McSpadden, Bill Gaither, uh, Gloria Gaither, all these wonderful people that that have written classic iconic songs that'll be in hymnals till the third coming of Christ. (laughs) Yep. Like, you know, I I had this front row seat that I didn't even know I had. I was so stupid. I didn't know. Mm. I didn't really know who they were. I just knew that I wanted to write and the door opened and I didn't just walk through it, man. I slammed through it and I wrote five nights a week and co-wrote with some great people that taught me awesome things as well. And that's how it all happened. It just, it was a gift. It's Ephesians 3.18, man. I I couldn't have, I didn't even know what I had when I had it, you know? And uh, I eventually, uh, well, my first year, I wound up getting about 20 songs recorded. It was 8.19. And I didn't know that was unusual. I just thought, hey, God's opened this door and this is what's happening. And I would, if if you were even remotely associated to the music business, you were going to hear one of my songs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I met with artists and A&R people and record company people and managers and bus drivers and the cleaning lady. I'd meet (laughs) anybody and play my songs and they saw how aggressive I was, so they hired me to, to be what they called back then a song plugger, yep. which really was sales. You yep. know? I mean, I was just out there selling songs. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Man, I was so goofy about it, Dave. There was one Christmas that I dressed up in a Rudolph costume, <laughs> and I went up and down music row, and I handed out candy to all the secretaries. I took gifts and candy to all the gatekeepers. Yeah. The next year, man, guess whose calls got through to the producers and yep. a people. Yeah. You know. Very cool. So it, it was fun. We won all the awards and, you know, all the ASCAP and BMI and the Doves and all that kind of stuff. We were placing all those songs, and I was managing about 12 writers, and it, it, was, it was just crazy. And I still was dumb as a rock, man. And I had no business degrees. I had no... I had no, I had no home training, man. Yeah. I, I had nothing. And, and yet God just, you know, I'm not, I don't think y'all just sit around and wait for God to do stuff. I think right. You bless it as we get, we get up and go after it. But man, I, I couldn't have, I could not have imagined what God had, had done. And I can keep going. There's a whole lot more. There's 40 years between. <laughs> well, was, with, that.
0: was your time with Gary and Bill, uh, was that kind of your first exposure to mentorship? No, okay.
1: I no, That's a great question, but I had had the privilege uh, right after I came to Jesus. Um, I actually wound up uh, having the opportunity of going to. Um, I knew immediately when when I came to Christ. My life was it was such a a night today. It was such mm. a dramatic you know, conversion for me. Cause man, I, I, grew up in drug, sex and rock and roll sure. and it, I was a child of the sixties and seventies and it was, you know, all that. So when I, and I didn't grow, I did not grow up in a religious home, so right. I didn't really hear about Jesus. We didn't go to church and all that. But so when I found the love of God and, and felt love for the first time, it was so dramatic. I knew immediately that I was called. I didn't know what it, I was called to. I thought that meant I was going to be a pastor. And so I had the opportunity of going to um, Bible school in the Holy Land.
0: Mm, wow! Yeah, in,
1: in yeah in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, that's a joke, Dave. Yeah, I know. I,
0: yeah, I'm, 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 the Holy but,
1: Land, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh,
0: oh, get it? oh, oh, the oh yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> You're looking at me. I'm, we're I'm, not talking. We're not talking I'm thinking, Jerusalem. I'm here. thinking. Home, talking, I don't know of
0: Oklahoma in Israel. I just this is not. <laughs> i'm trying to lighten the mood here. Bro. yeah no 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 no, no, no. that's cool that's cool this
1: podcast <laughs> <laughs> you know also is uh oral roberts mm-hmm. kenneth Hagin, you know that whole thing and so i wound up at rhema bible training center okay and, uh, which was a you know it, it's a great school in the in the charismatic you know world and uh i didn't know i mean i was just still so crazy and young but I wound up getting on the praise team. You know, that was so long ago, dude, that we didn't even call it a praise team. Mm, we, yeah. we didn't have worship leaders and praise teams. You're just leading up. singing,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like it we were song leaders yep. and we were we were the singing group. Sangin. And Now <laughs> now our singing group's gonna come and sing for us tonight some Holy Ghost songs. And so uh wound up on the stage with Kenneth Hagen himself. Wow. Kenneth E. Hagen, the faith healer. Yeah beautiful man i just just have such a deep love and respect in my heart for him and wound up becoming what they called hagen's pagans oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's a story there i'm certain <laughs> <laughs> It was just because it rhymes yeah uh, yeah we we were pretty much uh you know part and parcel of the whole thing and and wound up traveling around uh states, a little bit of canada uh, doing crusades and our group sing in front of 10, 15,000 people. And we made one little record and I just thought, man, I have just hit the big time, but, but Kenneth Hagan senior Ken, Kenneth E. Hagan, I would say he was my first real mentor. Okay. You know, yeah. buddy who cared about me. He was a very quiet dude, you know, and, and, uh, very interesting guy, and uh, there was a certain anointing and power that flowed through his life that was undeniable. I mean, miraculous yeah. healing, gift, faith—you know, the charismatic power gifts—and I, it was a, it really. Let me back up one sure. mentor before because the oh, sure. late yeah. the lady the lady that led me to Christ, um, she's with the Lord now, but she was my first. I I never thought of her as a a mentor until this moment. I really thought of her as my spiritual mom, Mm, really most influential person in those first two years. And then I wound up with the opportunity with Kenneth Hagan. And then I wound up a little bit later, as we were describing earlier with uh, McSpadden and, and the Gaithers. And then once the Gaithers organization uh, bought into a company called Starsong Media, right. Yep. I wound up really connecting in with one of the greatest mentors I've ever had, which is a, a guy named Daryl Harris.
0: Oh, sure. And yeah.
1: Daryl is the guy that found people like Twila Paris and yep. uh, worked with uh, White Hart and Petra and Newsboys and on and on and on. He was the on. big and mover so and shaker
0: the- of the contemporary Christian movement, as far as I'm concerned. yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, his name's all over, you know, those records in the early days. And Daryl is a dear, dear friend. In fact, we had, had coffee in, uh, just in the last week, and uh, we live close to one another, and we we're dear friends. He was just, I don't know, he, 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 was, he was probably the most obviously creative person that I had ever met. Wow. You know? Yeah. Bill and Gloria are very creative in their way, but... Uh, and in a big way obviously but Daryl just had this charisma and this creative mindset very inquisitive mm. very eclectic and very artistic I think he was the first he was the first person that I met that I could say truly valued art as in painting and yeah. poetry and sculpture and Songs and music and symphonies and you know, that kind of thing. And he, he really and, and even uh, even theology, mm. right And philosophy because I, I didn't know. I don't know nothing about <laughs> philosophy.
2: Mm-mm-mm-mm.
0: Well, the thing I, I didn't know. The thing I liked about him is he was one of the first people that was starting to do some of the rock stuff that you know, uh, the young kids were not wanting to listen to Bill and Gloria. That was mom and Dad's music. And, and Daryl was able to pick stuff out. I mean, yes, he had Twyla Paris and some of these, but he was able to pick stuff that was, that was the edgy stuff that was reaching exactly. the people of the day, that the young kids of the day that nobody else was doing. I mean, you had a little bit of it with, like, Love Song, but that was a little bit, and Phil Kagey, yeah. that was a different genre of time. This was really yeah. kind of the beginning of that whole pre-'90s explosion of what Christian music was going to become. Yeah. Yeah,
1: he he really was on the vanguard, yeah. well said. And and he but he opened me up to a realm of art and creativity and really philosophy and theology and poetry that I hadn't really, you know, been exposed to for whatever reason. So I credit him probably with being one of my greatest mentors, even though these other people have left a a stamp on my life but long term. man, I I owe Daryl a lot. So Daryl, if you ever hear this, man, thank you.
0: So, what was it in Daryl or Gary McSpadden or the lady that led you to the Christ that made you realize, oh, I have a responsibility to be a mentor too? Where was it in that journey that you decided that was a calling on your life?
1: You know, it was really much later,
0: okay. and
1: and really, it, it really began to happen more for me when I became the song guy at Integrity Music which would have been about 1992. Okay. And I had been working with about a dozen writers for the Gaithers. I'd grown up to be vice president of publishing for them. And I was working with, a. I think we had about a dozen writers, some great writers. And when I went to Integrity, it, it kind of elevated everything. Mm. And we were doing so much more uh, I mean, I did 26 scripture memory albums in the first 18 months I was there. Oh, wow, yeah. And so just the scale was very different. And I wound up growing the roster of writers from nine writers to 18 full-time writers. And were you managing. still writing
0: at the same time? Were you I one of them? I was still writing, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And
1: so um, it, it's like the demand, you know, the, the, when there's a demand put on you, you either rise to it or you or you fold. Hmm. And I think it was during those days that I began to see that I was being entrusted with something bigger than I'd ever imagined. Yeah. And suddenly, so I'm working with producers. I was really an A and R guy. They never really gave me that credit, but that's what I was doing. I was yeah. functioning, and I was I was overseeing all the writers. I was overseeing the song development department and the copyright area. And I was overseeing all these projects. I wound up doing over 200 projects with integrity in four years.
0: Yeah. That's a lot.
1: Something in that whirlwind of activity. I, I kind of rose in my own thinking about what it meant to coach and mentor people. And then when I left there, and went into I did my own ministry for oh gosh five six seven years, and then I wound up stepping back into some local church uh, ministry. That's when I think the leadership and the mentoring thing really began to take shape. And coming back to Nashville about eight years ago, not knowing we were going to start uh, the Nashville Christian Songwriters. In fact, that you know the it, the interesting. Thing about it dave is that it was i don't know if deja vu is biblical <laughs> but history definitely kind of repeated itself because we wound up back in nashville about well seven seven or eight years ago uh well 2015 yeah that seven years i, ago? I
0: counted seven yep yeah. yep
1: yeah no, wound up back here with no job no place to live oh boy <laughs> we we had more than 40 dollars but uh, no direction, didn't know what was going to happen, and had a lot of those same feelings.
0: And newspapers weren't yeah. a thing, so you couldn't get a newspaper out. <laughs>
1: I know they're all online now, it's yeah. Like I could toss papers out the digital window or something, but uh, you know, it, and it took months before I, I heard the spirit inspiring me, Nashville Christian songwriters. Now we're you know, we're fulfilling seven years in this thing, and we're coaching people all over the world. And, That's you know, coaching, coaching is just another word for leadership. Mm. And I stepped naturally into what NCS has become because I had honed those leadership coaching skills by working with Sam, who is a, a homemaker and a mom in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, who desired to sing and lead and bring her leadership gifts. But I, I got to, to personally mentor and nurture her for, for, gosh, almost five years. And when I left the church there, she stepped into that role mm-hmm. as a volunteer, and it was seamless. And, you know, to me, that's the greatest success, when you can look behind you and see that people have stepped up, you know, their game and, and their ministries and, and their leadership. And uh, another young lady that was probably 14, 15 when I met her, she stepped in after Sam. Okay. And, uh, you know, and so it's like, you know, that to me is the joy of leadership and coaching. And uh, I so many people poured into me. And I don't know, it, it, it's, it's just a great season of, of pouring back. I think I wandered from your question, did I? No, no, you're I, right
0: on. Because ultimately where I wanted to go with this is, and so a, a lot of people listen to this music because of the people who we interview about music, because that's what this podcast is about. But it's ultimately about community. And I, I see the importance of mentoring uh, in the church, we might call it discipleship, uh, yeah. as something, it's not just a music thing. It should be our daily work to help train and raise leaders to continue the work of the gospel of music and so forth. So what do you say to somebody who says, well, I'm just a, I always pick on plumbers on this podcast, but I'm just a plumber or I'm a stay-at-home mom or whatever. I, I don't have any, anything to give as a mentor. What do you say to people like that?
1: Well, I would say that you're just not thinking Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So t- so explain that. I mean, explain that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? There's always someone who is downstream from you. Yeah. You know, there are those people that are upstream who are further along. Maybe I've got that analogy backwards. I, I don't know how that works. Water's flowing way. one way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's always someone ahead of you. There's always someone behind you. Yeah. And so you reach out to the person ahead of you for the help that you need but you reach back to the person behind you who needs the help that you can give yeah. and we we can only give what we have and uh, there's an old story I had thought about this story in a long time but since we've talked about Kenneth Hagen today uh, Dr. Hagen used to say used to tell the story about the time that he was called to step into I think it was called the Los Angeles Temple where um, uh, Catherine Kuhlman had her ministry back okay. in the day and, and uh, lots of healing miracles. And uh, you know, I'm sure your audience like mine has all kinds of opinions about all that kind of thing, yep. but yep. love it, hate it, think it's real or not, doesn't matter to the story, but he, uh, she was unable to be there uh, one time, I, it, it'd be ironic if it was because she was sick, because there were so many healing. <laughs> right. I don't remember the I don't remember the circumstances,
2: <laughs> but he he was beginning to
1: feel intimidated before he went on stage because he was not Catherine Kuhlman right? And he didn't have at that time the kind of m- a miraculous healing, you know, happenings going on in his ministry. But he stepped out on the stage to hear him how he used to tell it, and he said, "I'm not Catherine Kuhlman.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: he just he's about, oh, but I I have a word from the Bible today uh, that faith can move mountains or something like that. Right. Yeah. And then he said that suddenly, mir- uh, somebody got healed up in the balcony, and somebody got up out of a wheelchair over here, and somebody did this, and you know, and he realized then. That it wasn't really about Catherine Kuhlman. It was about just being a yielded vessel yes. to God. Yes. And so I, I love that story. I hadn't thought about that in a long, long time. But all we can bring is our little piece of the puzzle, our little, our little uh, you know, our one little vegetable for the soup pot. It's like we we can only bring what we have and God always takes it. He blesses and breaks it, and he, and he makes it more. He multiplies yeah. it somehow. You know, like today as we're talking, and I just sense the goodness of your heart, the desire that you have to bring people together in community, in love, and fellowship around this music. And and I really just believe God takes that, that offering from your heart, Dave, and, and takes it, you know, the story where, it was the five loaves and two fishes where Jesus took it. He blessed it. He broke it and he gave it and it was multiplied. And in your, you're the little boy in the story and you're bringing the, your, your little podcast, mic and your headphones and you know, that gorgeous long beard. And (laughs) you're just bringing, you're bringing your heart, you know, and I just believe God takes that and blesses it and your offering. He receives it. He blesses it. And he breaks it and he multiplies it as bread to the nations, man. So good on you for doing it. But all you can do is bring your little Zoom recorder and and your heart. And all I have are stories because I'm old. And there you go.
0: Well, and I would dare say that God has created each of us. I mean, we're all unique individuals. We all have unique fingerprints. But he has somebody that he wants us to pour into, just like he had somebody that he wanted to pour into us. And the importance of this is being open, like you said, in a vessel saying, Lord, use me, help me be where you want me to be so that I can touch the people that you want to touch.
1: That's totally it, right? And. If we're open like that, you know, th- there's that old proverb. I don't know that this is scriptural either. Uh, maybe it is, but, <laughs> you know, become a student and the teacher will appear. That might mm. be some Zen yeah. saying something, but it's still true. You know, if, if you have an open heart and if you want to learn, God will provide, Amen. right? Amen. And then I think the same is true for us who long to pour out of our lives. If we become willing if we just say, God, you know, I want to give back because you have given so much to me, then guess what? There's about 7.9 billion people out there that'll line up at your door if you're willing to pour out of your life, you know?
0: Every Saturday, I send out a newsletter to a bunch of people Who have committed to praying for musicians and the people in the music industry how specifically can we be praying for you in the weeks and the months that are in front of us
1: wisdom i always ask for wisdom you know the proverbs say that that knowledge is awesome wisdom is better and i've been given an unprecedented opportunity here in my dotage to Bring what you know, 40 years of this to people who are hungry. Um, I I believe that there is a responsibility I have to steward this and to steward it well. And you know, it, it really comes down to wisdom for stewarding well what God has entrusted to me, and I'm grateful for that. And to, um, that, that's, the, that's the easiest, most concise way that I can can state what I always ask for when someone asks what they can pray for. You know, back pains are going to come and go. Right. You know, the gout is going to come and go. The, you know, uh, hair loss uh, is going to, well, it just
0: goes. <laughs> yeah, there's no coming back on that. <laughs> you know it fell off your head and got
1: on your face.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> Hey, John, uh, would it be okay if we spun your song, How Great, as part of this podcast?
1: I love that. I mean, old man is still putting it out there. And uh, I, uh, I love that song. Co-wrote it with one of my songwriting clients, ah. Tamara Perry. And uh, just delighted to share that day. Thank you so much for the privilege of being with you today. God bless you.
0: I'd like to thank john chisholm for spending time with us on the podcast today and also a great big thanks for the permission to share his song how great with you you can find john's music wherever you get your music and if you enjoyed this conversation be sure to check out john's other podcasts all the best and song revolution both are great conversations that i enjoy listening to and i think you will too i'll put all of john's contact details in the show notes on this episode Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I'm grateful that you choose to join me in these conversations each week. And as a regular listener to the podcast, would you be willing to reach out and say hello? You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn by searching for at CCM Exchange. Or you can also just drop me a line on the webpage, christianmusicarchive.com. Next week, I'm chatting with Rick Heil. Rick is the lead singer of the worship band, Sonic Flood. We're going to talk about the band and being one of the first modern worship band, but we're also going to talk about a life story about God's provision and healing in Rick's life. And I'm very confident that you're going to want to hear that conversation. So join me again next week for another episode of this podcast. But until we do get together next week, I want to remind you this fact. God loves you. In fact, He's crazy about you.
2: It's time for another mischievous Maurer's miscellaneous misquotes.
0: The Norwegian military has started putting barcodes on their ships. That way, when they return to port, they can Scandinavian.